KBOO wants you to meet us where the music's at. You can see awesome live bands like Fruition. That's right. KBOO wants to send you to a concert this summer. Just enter the KBOO Summer Music Raffle where three lucky winners will choose in order from three awesome events. You could win two three-day passes to the Northwest String Summit, July 19th to the 21st. A pair of Sunday tickets to Pickathon, August 4th. A pair of tickets to Lord Huron and Shaky Graves at the Oregon Zoo, August 12th. Tickets are just $5, and if you buy four, you get an extra raffle chance for free. Enter at kboo.fm slash give. Or you can buy tickets in person at Music Millennium or Grendel's Coffee. Deadline to enter is July 7th. Cboo.fm slash summer music raffle for full rules and details. Enter now for your chance to win. Tune in to KBOO on July 4th through the 7th for our live broadcast from the 32nd Annual Waterfront Blues Festival. We'll start the broadcast from the Waterfront Blues Festival on Thursday, July 4th at noon, and broadcast the fest every day from noon through 10 p.m. Again, that's the Waterfront Blues Festival, the largest celebration of blues, soul, funk, and rhythm and blues west of the Mississippi, July 4th through the 7th from noon to 10 p.m. here on your community radio station, KBOO Portland. Hello, everyone. Welcome to KBOO Portland. Our show is Is It You or Is It Me? I'm Guinevere D'Amblia, and with me tonight is Maisie McKinnon. Maisie is a writer, an author, a sister, a mom, a grandma, and the creator of transgenderpartners.com, and she's also my ex-wife. We have been married, separated, divorced, and now realize that our love for each other comes from a place before time, like soulmates. It's an anamkara, and that, loosely translated, is a friendship made before time. Hey, Maisie. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming all the way from Olympia to do this show. Yeah really special yeah I listen to your show all the time so it's I never expected to be here thank you for asking (laughs) my pleasure this is going to be a great show all right you know well I'm excited about the topic Uh, I also Mm -hmm. am uh, very eager to share a little bit about my experience as the wife of a transgender woman who transitioned and also uh, a lot to do with family and how that family was receptive and um frankly better off for all of the experiences that we've been through so yeah. very happy to share that tonight it's a it's it's a uh, it's a special group <laughs> of people so our topic tonight is the very recent educational guidelines released by the uh, Vatican's office of educational oversight It's a 33-page document that at its heart condemns trans people as, quote, an annihilation of the concept of nature and the destruction of the family as an institution. Hmm. You got to let that sink in. (coughs) Excuse me. 
This was 33 pages of information on this subject, and to bring it all into one sentence isn't does not do the horror of the document justice. But it also states that doctors should intervene when a newborn is intersex, regardless of what the parents wish. Which, you know, when you think about it, it's pretty much a direct conflict of the family as the guiding influence in their children's lives, or the family as an institution. Personally, I'm outraged. I'm just spiritually outraged. You know, not because I'm trans, but because seriously, this is what's being put forward from some of the people that have the biggest microphone in the world. So Maisie and I <coughs> are going to talk about this, and we've broken it down a little bit, and we're going to have a conversation back and forth. So we appreciate your tuning in and listening. And I read the entire document. I'm not sure Maisie read the whole thing. I know she got bits and pieces of it. But in the end, I need some spiritual HCL in a few years just to digest what it all says. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? So I know that you've read some of the stuff around this this uh, document, Maisie. And um, just to start out, what what's your impression? What What would you like to say before we really get, you know, into... You know, in today's world, there's a lot of things coming at all of us. And I do mm. my best to, again, as you said, digest... And I, I actually had a lot of hope in uh, the Pope uh, because I felt he was really of the people. Um, and I am uh, formerly Catholic. I was raised um, with the Catholic faith, uh, Irish family. And I went to school uh, mm. for a couple of years. That was, that's a wild story. Um, and then, um, and we would be more Catholic, by the way, when the cousins showed up and we pretended that we would go to you know uh, church every Sunday so it was a little bit loose but I had no idea what kind of influence the rules the indoctrinations had on me until I was trying to break them 20 and 30 and 40 years later mm -hmm. things like self-worth and I've never turned to the Catholic Church for my self-esteem but when I was thinking about the what had happened and of course the subject of intersex children and transgender um, and this is a educational guidelines how to generations um, how to teach you know so and I, so I'm not shocked that the church is not progressive I'm not sure that they've ever been in the forefront of of wider thinking so it's a very small thought but the other the other interesting thing is it's so much that in the end and this is what I'm doing with my life in general I'm looking at how it is affecting me and the people I love and my voice and so frankly I I almost turned away from the whole notion of them having any power in my life. But in talking with you, you were mentioning that this tremendous influence he has on so many people who are seeking and the Catholic Church's guidelines, I'll use that word again, because they're for their own salvation. Mm -hmm. So you can risk an argument with you know somebody, but you can't really <coughs> argument, argue with somebody who's supposedly teaching you how to live forever and ever and ever to into be eternity. Spiritual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's too much for me, but I also so I'm gonna talk today and tonight about how uh how it affects me personally and in my own life. And I think that may be a voice that others can relate to. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Absolutely. So um some of the things that we would like to um to show on this show, we want to, you know, we want to bring up, we want to, we want to have people look at the idea that the family institution is not at risk because somebody's transgender. I mean, the only proof you need for that is the number of people on this planet and the number of babies that are being made every day, and you know this. As a species, the family institution, male, female babies kind of thing is is okay. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's well, it's family is a very uh, interesting definition too, mm-hmm. and it would be interesting to see what a what a male priest who's neither a parent or head of a family would have to say on the subject when we define family as many many different. Uh, ideas now, you know, two female parents, two male parents, uh, aunts, uncles. I work with uh, indigenous cultures, and the family is wide ranging from numbers of people, family beds, uh, more than, you know, the children are in, in embraced and uh, comforted in secure beds for years, and, mm-hmm. you know, all the rules. So, uh, fa- interesting use of words. Yeah, it Inter- is. Interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, one of the points that we've been talking about was the idea of the church and in in the bigger picture around it, like what people think of when they think of that as becoming irrelevant by creating more separation among people. I mean, individuals, mm-hmm. and and it's small viewpoint. Yeah. It has such a narrow viewpoint that. In 2019, on this planet, we should be having every conversation possible. Yeah. But. Well, and it was interesting to read some of the bits and pieces I read about uh, uh, trans Catholics talking about the heartbreak mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in because they're so devoted to the concepts of the church and uh, to the Christ. Uh, energy of of forgiveness and compassion and and uh, you know doing unto others you know all those ideas and they were they're very not only heartbroken but um, there was a great article and I I wish I could refer to it again just an awful lot of stimulation a lot of information mm-hmm. one woman was saying that her transgender son was proof that the institution of family had been made richer for this mm. child's transition. I can only speak to how, and <laughs> I do get emotional, how my life has been enriched by your honesty and your willingness to risk um, uh, essentially everything, family, jobs, mm-hmm. everything, to be yourself. And if that is not an amazing role model, model for uh, our, gr- our children, but mostly our grandchildren, then I don't know what would be. And uh, in one sentence, what's come to me is that the Catholic Church is saying, uh, unless you abide by these, you know, you have cause to hate yourself. And not only does that lead to suicide issues and and all kinds of problems of, uh, especially if you have a faith that's saying you're wrong for feeling what you feel, it adds to the confusion, it adds to tremendous tragedies. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a big subject. It really is. It's huge. And uh, let's see, we were, uh, we've known each other about 18 years now. Right. Yeah. And we had a, a marriage together. We have, uh, we, like I said, grandchildren together. But we've seen a thing or two between us. And even in my <laughs> own, <laughs> even in my own, uh, not in a million years, would I have ever thought I would be uh, uh, married to a, a, a man who said I... I feel like I'm a woman. I want to become a woman. And so such foreign things to me. And yet, and I frankly bought every bit of the indoctrinated ideas of uh, um, betrayal or or secrets and lies. And in the end, I realized I was really only kind of shook up because I was actually shaking off all kinds of ideas I'd grown up with, with what makes a marriage, what makes a family. And uh, we are closer today. Uh, we live in separate states, separate homes, but we are closer today and more honest and laugh. We laugh about amazing things because we have uh, gotten pretty real. Uh-huh. And so is that not an example for the children who are watching? You know, so and we're just plain old happier than we've ever been. Yeah. yeah. It's such a nice place. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I was thinking that had some something to do with what you were saying was the idea that uh, this experience, my experience as being a transgender woman, was brought to you. I mean, it's it was an external um, origination, circumstance, yeah. circumstance mm-hmm. 
For me, it was an internal origination in circumstance. And isn't it interesting that in my own way, I've dealt with the same things you've dealt with. How do I trust myself? How do you trust me? I mean, there was a lot of lies. I mean, anybody who's my age and transitioned had, had been lying for quite a while, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a, a form of defense or, or self-preservation or whatever the case may be. But the, the, it's so interesting that our self-acceptance uh, where that spark comes from, um, for you, like I said, for you, it was external. For me, it was internal. And yet the parallels that we have been working on in the last seven or eight years, uh, it, it's amazing. But it does pop out at the end of being so vulnerable to be able to say, yeah, I was, I was not being uh, totally honest <laughs> <laughs> or slightly <laughs> even <laughs> in some areas yes but um yeah i mean to, these are the things we're talking about being able to become so vulnerable that our exposure to another human being is unparalleled in its uh integrity honesty the highest spiritual <laughs> move a person can make yeah. You know, it makes the indoctrinations of of religion, of, of organized religion, look childlike. Well, and I can't remember because I, you know, I retain bits of information that I abide by and live by. And, of course, I'm not, uh, I have five sisters, by the way, and my oldest could quote who had said this. But it was the idea of uh, when asked, you know, what is the way to world peace? And the answer was to know thyself. Mm-hmm. And and when you know thyself, uh, you know there's no more more of the lying or the secrets. I had to go through that with your transition as well. Um, in the end, I re- really learned that my betrayal had been the idea of the indoctrination that a man was going to take care of me, that this man, uh, love of my life, who had all the costumes, the house, the everything, and and a tremendously. Uh, deep, strong relationship in its own right wasn't going to be there to make me happy. And damn it, wasn't that, you know, his job. So when I was walking through my forgiveness, because we're talking about the reaction level of even reacting to what we're hearing in the church. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you get pissed. You get, you, you, uh, you react. Right. You know, something's it's being very threatened, right? Mm-hmm. So in my, something was being very threatened for me. In the end, I said, it's not what, you know, Gwen is doing to me. It's not. I will never be able to survive, forgive, or reconcile if I keep saying, what, you've got to see, Gwen, what you've done to me. In the end, I said, wait, what am I doing to Gwen? And when I said that, I realized I had been burdening you with my happiness. So. Oh. Yeah. It still brings me to a, a state of amazement that that's the indoctrination I learned, you know, as a as a young woman. But and I thought I was, you know, pretty progressive and liberal, and yet I had I had actually put that on your shoulders. So when things changed, in every way, uh, and definitely was not a man. It was more than just my home and my house. I couldn't even actually ask that of you anymore. And gosh, that really forced me to go out learn how to be on my own in even late in life the first time ever mm-hmm. uh, and find my own happiness. So again, speaking to these Id- limited ideas of what constitutes the institution of family, you and I, I'll even throw myself in that category. I think that we've been an amazing role model for integrity and honesty in a relationship. And our, by the way, our 10 grandchildren... <laughs> Another coming, um, are uh, love to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. They love to hang. There's just, it's just fun. It's light. My goodness, there's, uh, you know, just an awful lot of joy going on in, in the room when that happens. So, yeah. So, thanks. Yeah. Thanks so I think we're a little bit better off. <coughs> just a bit. <laughs> just a bit. One of the. Um, Areas. One of the things we wanted to talk about 
tonight was um, putting our focus and attention on the bigger picture Mm -hmm. around the ideas of reactionary actions, um, separation. So, so you're pulling apart in in reaction to an to a situation, mm-hmm. and those are external forces, right? When you're talking about um, uh, our separation, our divorce is having been a, a springboard for you to uh, be on your own. It's not just you be on your own finding a place to live or supporting or any of that it's really about your core being it's really about the indoctrinations you've lived by and do you live with them still and and blame me or blame yourself or blame something or 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 really being on your own does that mean that you actually take responsibility for the indoctrinations that are in your life Regardless Mm -hmm. of how they got there, religion, state, schools, parents, parents, Mm -hmm. siblings, you know, uh, churches, yeah, (laughs) other, uh, you know, your your peers, these are all indoctrinations, and we go with this flow until all of a sudden there's a thing. In in line with what you were talking about, for me on an internal level, I had no one to blame. (laughs) <laughs> except myself I mean you know what I'm saying it's like it's not like I had to blame myself but I mean I had nowhere to turn and you know I am so grateful to you for stepping up to the plate and and yes it took us it took us a little while but to come around to the idea of what we were doing to each other on a spiritual level on a deeply personal level and healing those rifts, you know, getting the indoctrinations out to where we could actually feel comfortable questioning ourselves, our own beliefs, uh, getting rid of the indoctrinations we didn't want that were unfair. As far as I can tell, our grandchildren feel that freedom. They feel that lack of rigidity and rules, and, and we play. Mm-hmm. Right, and of course, rules, of course, uh, are some indoctrinations for safety, you know, uh, considerations, sure. thoughtfulness. I guess what I, when I think of a process that strengthens family, the, the thing that strengthens family to me is every one of my grandchildren will be able to si- decide who they are. And if that is, you know, my own children didn't have it easy. Uh, I, I have a history of alcoholism along with that Catholic, Catholic upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was, you know, there were things that were being brought into my parenting that they had to deal with. And yet, yet, and this is where I think the church is out of line in the 21st century with what they just don't have a pulse of what's really an evolution of thought. In, mm-hmm. And in, as, as divisive as we are in, in the world today, um, you know, and I don't know if it was Noam Chomsky who said, you know, we're really, things are really screwed up. And he, he just really lays it all out and gives you lots of, dis- of details about why world wars and famines and economic issues. And then says, but you know, we're not as bad as, it, you know, we're not as screwed up as we used to be. <laughs> and, and then you, you sets out to set up a whole mu- another whole set of examples. And truly, I'm that optimist that Though the church has no real idea in many ways of um, somebody was saying they didn't bring in the science when it came to this this, uh, this document. Mm -hmm. There was, you know. And yet they quote science throughout it. Well, and I can't say, and this is where I know so little. I mean, they did. Okay. Thank you, Rick. In the document. (laughs) And you read it. I did. You read it. I feel that my, my. grandchildren are on a wave of evolutionary thought that really allows them to be have the kinds of spiritual and personal freedoms that we haven't seen before at the same time the vulnerability and the risks are very real and and mm-hmm. I just want to share one little thing about 
this reaction, okay, the, the reaction of something that threatens you, in this case, of course, guidelines that say that transgender or choosing your own gender mm -hmm. is a, an annihilation against nature is a pretty big statement. So I just feel very strong about this idea of there being a wave of evolutionary thought at the same time a tremendous amount of risk. Um, you mentioned that I, and you with your help, uh, started the transgenderpartners.com blog, speaking mostly to sofas, you know, significant, uh, significant others, friends, families, and allies, because there's so few resources for people who are in shock or dealing with uh, tremendous transitions on their own when their partner says, you know, I've made this decision and I'd like you to support me or, and you're lost. So as mm -hmm. a, as a person on that side of it I had no resources so we started this blog and also this resource list and we just put out a blog by I'll say Thomas Gable I'm so proud of the work he just wrote uh, just wrote and he wrote a, a gay guy's take on transgender partnering partnering and in in this we have five I mean a tremendous amount of readers and there were responses coming in, and only only one was filled with, uh, I'll say it, hate. It was just one out of thousands of res of responses, and in that one, it terrified me. Mm -hmm. It was the mm -hmm. first time I'd ever been, frankly, uh, that close to hate. To the responses we all hear about and right. experience, yeah. And so there was a reaction. He was threatened or whatever. Of course, I had to uh, block it, mm -hmm. but it was. For me, the most amazing experience of what you must be facing in your not only pioneering, but your risk and vulnerability. Um, you know, you, you used to tell me that you would travel and you'd be a little bit nervous about going to North Carolina or Texas. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and right? But, uh, but ulti or wherever. <coughs> Ultimately, I had never experienced that till this week. Mm. So um. my own reaction was to step away from the danger, if you will, and block him and then try to get another wider point of view and realize how on a primal level people who don't know anybody else can imagine a threat crossing their mobile device and then reacting to it. And so with this evolution will come real risk and we know it is to life and to uh, just the fear that it instills in people as well. So I have uh, expectations of courageous you know, courageous acts in my well, grandchildren as well. Yeah, and and we just happen to be talking about an experience around somebody transitioning. The reactive stuff that you're talking about could be around anything, it any is. kind of situation yeah. that that uh, might threaten you on some level. Politics, right? I yeah. mean, that's like rampant right now, but. Um, and then how do we take it to the bigger picture? That's what you're talking about. Well, that's where we're headed here. And so so what I would like everybody who's listening to do is to take a moment here. And I'm going to read the same quote that I read at the beginning. And I'd like you to try to feel what it is it's saying or feel your reaction to what it is. That's, that's better. So the quote is, an, uh, trans people are an annihilation of the concept of nature and the destruction of the family as an institution. And, and consider your reaction for a minute. You know, just take a second and it's like, feel how you react to that kind of statement and feel... The fact that it's around transgender, you could take that out of it. Pick a situation in your life where somebody says that, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you're annihilating the, the concept of nature <laughs> and the destruction of the family, you know, much like someone we're all aware of right now. But, but feeling that, it's like, do you feel further separated from others or do you feel closer? Do you feel like you're in agreement with people 
or do you feel like you're out of agreement? Is your react? I just wanted to add, do you feel like you belong or that you've been outcast? Yes. And I I know that my reaction to this person who had uh, foul, very, very foul, and, uh, you know, and again, I'm referring to the blog response. Um, I just, I found myself immediately wanting to counterattack. I mean, my fingers were on the keyboard mm-hmm. going, oh, yeah. And so I wanted to engage in the battle, again, to a person who was, f- frankly, just this, a digital, uh, you know, blip. blip. And, and you didn't even know if it's a real person or not. And Right. And so I guess the feeling of that distancing, uh, what came with it was justification, and I always say, and I remember oh. going on the women's march, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody had lots of uh, very pro-positive signs, and there were lots of people saying, you know, that they were angry and and they were uh, against so many things. And by the way, it's so much easier to say I'm against something than to state what I'm really for. Mm-hmm. But so I just thought, you know, I it's like slapping a child for slapping. Stop that whack! Right. Stop slapping whack! And you're doing the same thing. I'm really, really working. Uh, to be really working not to hate haters or and and it's really because of the development uh, personal development work we've done you know through the avatar materials that talk about an awful lot of uh, it's a program that talks an awful lot about you know your own personal motivations what, what are your beliefs that are motivating these reactions ultimately I am aware that if I'm feeling something I'm also justifying it this reaction and in the end it is no different than somebody else justifying their behavior or actions Mm -hmm. for hating and it's not an easy road but well and then you get the back and forth meaning he he said she said Mm -hmm. you know you said I said then you get the argument Mm -hmm. and then you get a fight Mm -hmm. and then you go to war whether it's you with yourself, you with your spouse, or you with your country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so so that's in the reactive sense, you know. Our next step here is is that when you, t- when you take a reactive response like that and you're feeling something, how is it that you would heal from that? How, how would you make that better? How would you bring your your separated self back into connection with people you know because being separated from each other is rough mm-hmm. I mean you know people might think well I'm happy you're over there because I don't you know I don't agree with what you say anyway but the actual truth is is that on a on a highly spiritual level it's depressing <laughs> to be separated yeah. we love to party we lo- as a as a as a species, we love to invent, be creative, play, have a great time. And there's a very important um, instinct behind that, and it's because you are safer in a community. You have more uh, security of food. All those very, and we think we're operating from very logical, rational, but many times we're really in a very primal response. So the idea of getting beyond primal that primal reaction, getting to a place of, and our, I'll just use ours because it's the only reference point I have, is the idea of healing. And ultimately, the healing came down, as I said, to forget what they're doing, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. So there was a self-awareness that was absolutely essential to getting beyond being a victim to you or to anybody else. Right. I wanted. Right. So what am I doing? And quite often, as it would be, that's usually the same thing I'm complaining about somebody doing to me. Uh, not listening, not uh, you know, taking care, not uh, giving me myself you know, importance. And I'm not doing any of that for anybody else either. So usually, as the old adage goes, you are projecting onto others or you are actually angry at others for the very thing that you would never uh, admit in yourself. And so that leads... <coughs> to this whole idea of asking some fairly tough questions. Of yourself. Of yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh And what are those beliefs? Where do they come from? What have I been indoctrinated into that I'm even unaware of? Yeah. 
I what, just do it on automatic. Well, it's interesting. I'm going to share that. What I actually learned was uh, it's a universal thing, and you find it in a lot of Christian faiths. It was familiar to me. It happened to be just part of this uh, personal development uh, exercise, and in the end it was a called a walk for atonement. And so I would take a step, and even as resentful as I was, okay, fine, sure, I uh, misled somebody. Or, and I would take another step, and I would say, okay, fine, yes, I... And I would make the next sort of, if you will, miniature confession about, and I would begin, all of a sudden I was beginning to understand my own flaws, my own uh, capacity to deceive mm-hmm. you as well, <laughs> you know. Uh, you weren't the only one making deceptive, uh, you know, things in, in the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the relationship. So I just did this walk until I suddenly, it hit like a hammer, uh, you know, what I was doing. And I can't imagine that's not true of, of everyone. If we all just stopped and said, okay, okay, just, if there was no one else in the room, what am I doing? You know, what am I teaching my children? What am I, so I think that's a, so self, self-awareness is key. Self-awareness, what am I saying to myself? Mm-hmm. 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 And how am I justifying my, my treatment of others? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and, and with self-awareness, comes some responsibility huge (laughs) (laughs) i know it gets bigger and bigger the more you're aware of the more that you understand the impact we all have on each other the less you can do it well because you're responsible for this upset in, in a very energy. real yeah, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just get so excited at this conversation because the idea <laughs> of how do I, how do I even get compassion for others? And there's, uh, you know, there's others in my life uh, I have essentially I don't talk to her anymore. And one day I realized it's very Zen, very Buddhist, that. Uh, you too are capable of the thing you detest the most in others. Boy. Now that's mm-hmm. very philosophical, but I actually well, no, it's not. It sounds like that, but it's very, very real. Well, I just don't. You know what do they say? You don't run. Uh, let's see, you don't try. You don't run towards the light as much as you run from the heat. Mm-hmm. And so these moments when I'm like, oh my God, I am being the person. We're really at a very low moment of my life. They were at a desperate moment when all those beliefs I had been either raised with or acquired along the way weren't working. Oh my God. I just crashed and burned. So I think this self-awareness is, is a wonderful idea, and it, but to me, it rarely, at least before now, happened until it was uh, a, a real crash and burn situation. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But it gave me a sense of compassion for others. It really did, that when I could be honest with myself about <laughs> doing the same darn things. Well, one of the cool things about it is, is, is like the more awareness that you accumulate in your life, the more responsible you are for your behaviors, the more you don't just react. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you start to become empowered. You start to feel your own power. It's like, hey, last year I would have I would have really lashed out or I really would have done some kind of reactive thing. But right now, I can see that, but I don't feel like doing that. So the other part of, of healing healing from a reactive kind of situation is wondering about your motivations, mm-hmm. what's motivating you. Well, they're usually hidden, too. It's not like, mm. oh, gosh, I'm doing that thing again. It's usually shocking for me that I either, wow, believed that, I believed I needed a man in my life to be, and that I would ha- whole, to uh, be whole. whole. N- you know, no way, no way. And when it disappeared... I was shocked. And then mm-hmm. there's a grand ego death that goes with it, I promise you. And so the idea of going from acceptance, and so how did I come to a place of acceptance with this? And that was, um, first of all, I couldn't exactly take your choice to come you know, clean with who you really are as a personal you know, it was just simply not personal. I didn't have much to do with it. I had, I simply, it was not about me. So that was a blessing. I, I just like, I couldn't even begin to quote, blame myself. So uh-huh. it gave me the freedom of really just, okay, so 
well, stuff happens and you go with it. And it was after I'd gotten honest with my part in this whole game, uh, it was easier for me to just accept it. Also, um, allow myself the grief, allow my everything I had to go through with, uh, but I had a you lot of family support, by the way. Uh, my old family was, mm-hmm. was um, sisters, uh, cousins. I have a huge wow. group of people. They were really there for me. Mm-hmm. So that mattered. Yeah. 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 And yet the core of these things were still going on. And, and you were talking about acceptance. And at some point you stopped resisting something, mm-hmm. uh, an idea, a belief, uh, or horrific sense of having given in to something. Well, here's what I really was res- resisting, okay? let's. <laughs> I was resisting, <laughs> this was my fourth marriage, and uh-huh. I was utterly embarrassed because this was the one, and I'm gonna go home and tell my family that, oops, this one, uh, you know, I, I did it again. What I was resisting was an amazing image of myself having done some amazing recovery through, uh, you know, tremendous, I, I have all kinds of history, okay? And I got my act together and I found this mm-hmm. guy. And, mm-hmm. and so what I was resisting was my image, uh, what was really happening. In other words, I, I was resisting that I had still residual effects from some of the alcohol uh, I was growing up with. So I was really resisting who I was. It's just fascinating to me that that's the parallel between us. You had your issues of really not wanting to accept who you were, and yet you ha- were compelled. I was doing such a big game of how, how absolutely together I was. And so it's laughable, and we do. We, we, you know, we have a glass of wine and chuckle ourselves off the bench you know, about how much effort and how much work it had taken to keep those images up. Well, we might add in, into the middle of this that personal growth at this level and responsibility is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, maybe not to start with. But when you get a few steps down the road, it becomes like, yeah, I did that. And and we all do it. Howling, yeah. just falling down on the ground mm-hmm. in total laughter. Which I wanted, that's a great way of getting back to something you said about blame. It sounds like, it feels like blame, oh, I've, you know, I got to be accountable. And after you get through and, you know, the you get up off your knees the first once or twice, you say, it's not about blame anymore. It's about human nature. It's about the, uh, there's just, and poets write about it all the time. Movies are made of it, but truly the end, the story is that we are so flawed and so beautiful and so amazingly capable of the very thing we, you know, protest this against. So these are all characters. I want to get a little bit back to this idea of the church. These are all things that actually resulted from your willingness to be honest and to live who you are how could I not do the same so talk about an annihilation against nature it your honesty and your willingness really really spurred my own self-assessment too it's actually an annihilation against indoctrination (laughs) (laughs) we have annihilated so many ridiculous beliefs, ideas, indoctrinations that it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a a video game. (laughs) Oh, there's a belief. (laughs) Well, one of the things you said made me think about shame. And shame is an indoctrinated idea that uh, this, this, this didn't work out. Therefore, you didn't live up. Therefore, you are experiencing shame and what do we resist that feeling that Mm -hmm. we resist feeling shame we resist feeling failure we resist all of those negative kind of feelings and so when we stop resisting these 
these are not us. These feelings are not me. These they are not you. They are indoctrinated ideas. Of they worth, are of all kinds of things. Yeah. Beliefs that have been instilled or that you've adopted. And so along the lines of acceptance, when when you stop resisting stuff, when you just let it flow over you and you become vulnerable to that, one of the first steps is forgiveness. And um, forgiveness of self um, is is probably the biggest thing. When when you when we talk about forgiveness, you think about oh, I got to forgive somebody else. No, you don't. You don't have to forgive anybody. The biggest challenge to an individual on a spiritual level is to forgive yourself mm-hmm. for the deceit, for a lie, for operating in a belief system, in indoctrinations, in reactive modes when you know you shouldn't. And so you've yeah. created that idea and you're resisting the idea of, yeah, I did that. Well, beliefs to me are all self-serving in the very beginning, especially as children. I think of the parenting skills or parenting, you know, lots of in, lots of opportunities to... I have a twin sister, by the way, and we've chosen different beliefs in many ways, all, a lot of them the same. Very, very different people and in the same room with the same parents with the same thing going on, and we would walk away with different interpretations. And in the end, that it really had to do with which piece of conclusion we would like to arrive at for our, our individual survival. So that's, that's, first of all, where beliefs come. And then the maturing of that, I do believe, comes from uh, getting clear on whether or not they still serve you, but whether or not they're hurting others as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think forgiveness really comes down to forgiving. I know that in my process, um, forgiveness was about forgiving myself for, um, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, that, it was rough, that, that, whole, uh, that whole idea of being wronged took me a little doing. Oh, yeah, me too, yeah. So, so that's, that's what it is. It really is about forgiving what I was doing in the relationship. Yeah. You know, one of the things, the the fourth part of this is connection. And we got to move along a little bit here. But reconnection to yourself, to others. Um, We reconnected when we realized these things. Mm -hmm. There was some specifics in there that that allowed that to happen. But um, when we got to the point in our individual lives... And we had forgiven ourselves our our own transgressions. We wanted to reconnect, mm-hmm. and and you know you want to do that with anybody. Any, we are human beings. We have a spiritual capacity, and we want to be connected. And and so reconnecting. Um, and, and I'd love to tell you why I chose to reconnect if I could. Sure. And that had to do with the idea that um, not only, you know, we both got honest about what we'd done and, and uh, it was it was kind of harsh too in, in some ways yeah, like so all divorces can be. But in the end, I found that I had a choice. I could either reconnect. Well, essentially I reconnected because we have an awful lot of of common story. We do. That's, you know, that was one number one. The other is that we really in the end the same thing that drew us together as as lovers really was what had drawn us together as partners. And so again even though we live in separate homes and everything else, those qualities never changed. They only got better. So, but reconnecting was a symbol to me that there had been a reconciliation through the process of that first reaction and then we go through the healing there's a self-forgiveness and then there's I just don't have I'm not guarding myself anymore yeah and you end up reconnected so quite a spiritual path Frankie you know thank you well that's where I was going to go with our conversation is is that when you talk about spirituality when you talk about personal responsibility to whoever you call the spirit out there God Wakantanka Mohammed yeah. Give me some more here, you know, <laughs> Buddha. I mean, whoever, whatever the word is you choose to describe that energy as, 
we have a direct connection to that. I mean, there, there's nobody that knows that better than ourselves. And when we have disconnected that connection with deceit, lies, shame, all these indoctrinated feelings that are not us, they are only things we've adopted, and we do the hard work of owning all of our transgressions, all of our frailties, and, and our being human type stuff, <clears throat> we become closer to in, in universal spirituality. Well, and to each other. And to each other. And realizing that we all come from the same place. And when some some entity like the church, this this organized religion, these old men who live in a sequestered walled estate that's now their own country comes out and says this kind of thing. I would like y'all to be outraged. It is an affront to our humanity that this that this is even being thought. Mm. Well, it's you know, uh, we all know what's going on with the Catholic Church and the priests and the you know the the young boys and all. We all know all kinds of stuff. We all know that they raped, murdered, you know, did all kinds of things to the Native American people when the church came over here and all of the horror stories that have gone on over the centuries based in this thing, it's like, you know what? You have a personal connection to the spirit, to the universe, to whatever you label is out there as a guiding force. And I would urge you to trust that mm. a lot more than this 33-page document <laughs> and encourage you. your children, people you know that are educated to, you know, ignore this. Well, and think for themselves, for sure. So, um, uh, we have a few minutes left. Mm -hmm. um, you are writing a book. <laughs> it's called The Eternal Book. The Eternal Book. <laughs> Actually, I am. I finished it. It's uh, a memoir, as you might have guessed. I know, I know, but the people we're talking to do, <laughs> so go for it. Well, it is called Meeting Guinevere, How My Husband's Transsexual Journey Freed the Woman in Me. And it was uh, finished. I felt pretty good about it, and yet there was something missing. And in the end, I realized it was my own vulnerability. <laughs> So uh, it's something. So I am working with a New York editor now. We are going through. She's dazzled by the what she calls something. She said something that is relatively foreign to most people. This is an inside glimpse. Uh, she's been very. It's, uh, Lisa Crone is an amazing coach, and so she's she's helping me uh, bring in some of these own motivations. And again, not just confessions, but really how my mind was working at the time. And mm -hmm. as a journalist and writer, and uh, it was a very secret, we hadn't told anybody, I had to do an awful lot of coping through journaling. Uh -huh. And so I have verbatims. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of them. So when, when, when are you going to, uh, when's this going to be published? I actually, I'm well. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Ultimately, it's a, you know, that's its own little personal journey. But truly, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll feel really good about getting this out in front of an agent, uh, you know, before Christmas. Sweet. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about transgenderpartners.com. Well, uh, in, in fact, uh, the mission is to, it says, to stimulate, I'm going to read it right off the website, stimulate social conversation and raise the awareness of the effect that gender transitioning has on the significant others, friends, families, and allies, which are sofas, of the transgender person, especially in the early stages of transitioning. And the, um, truly, there's an awful lot of people who uh, are pretty blown away, okay? The, I mean, I read, an, uh, I read, I'm part of a chat group about uh, lesbian women and their partner will turn, you know, female to male and, and vice versa. And in, in many ways, um, I, I hate, I'm going to say it, the straight couple almost has the worst time. 
<laughs> they haven't been used to wider thinking or kinds of fluidity. And so, um, although everyone has their challenges, uh, there simply were no resources for who to talk to. Even the ch- I think there were one or two chat rooms. I have no of no person-to-person support groups. Um, there may be a one or two conferences that occur but ultimately it's a pretty devastating and you're not usually telling your friends and family and parents and mm-hmm. co-workers mm-hmm. very alone time so we developed that uh, resource page it's it's what uh, thousands and thousands of people actually just looked at it Eleven it's over 10,000 10,000 people um, had looked at it uh, last year and it's exponential now mm-hmm. because I think we were a little ahead of our time so that's what we do with that. I've, you and I have contributed to the blog. We have a guest blogger. I mentioned uh, people are invited to, to come and speak their voices about their experience. For me to see the experience of a gay couple in which one of the, uh, one of the people went from male right. to female mm-hmm. brought about its own interesting challenges in their own community. So it... Um, it's a huge, wide world. People are taking amazing risks and speaking their minds. They are. And for everybody out there, that just about wraps it up. I'm going to leave you with one thing here around beliefs. One of the, uh, what should we say here, around, uh, you know, one of the ways that you can tell if your beliefs are helpful or not is the ones that serve yourself or do they serve others and so give that some thought we love you thank you for listening thank you so much so much and well you're looking at me Maisie <laughs> Maisie let's say good I, I don't know I want to do the waltz kind of thing or something <laughs> night night everybody <laughs> <laughs> that's just weird alright Somia you got it
You are listening to KBU KBOO Portland 90.7 FM. Next up is Calculated Conversation. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's Open meeting policy is also available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. Board meetings will be conducted at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, unless otherwise noted. The KBU Board of Directors meets the fourth Monday of the month, starting at 6 p.m. Please call 503 231 8032 to verify if a meeting is being held. KBOO Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor Good in the Hood. The weekend of June 21st through 23rd at King School Park in Portland, Good in the Hood is a multicultural music, art, and